What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Good morning. This is Sunday morning in the Word, and we are studying the Word of God systematically. You know, God is a good God, and He is truly doing great things before our eyes, and for that we are grateful and thankful to the Lord for all the things that he is doing in our lives. You know, we as the body of Christ must learn to establish our heart in God's word. And it is when we establish God's heart um, in, um, or establish our hearts in God's word, we will we will see great advantages and great um, benefits that he has established. Now, get a notebook out. We are to include and actually... Um, um, a division of the teaching today, and then we're going to go into another division of teaching as well. So keep keep um, keep listening. Get your notes, and everything is going to be absolutely all right. Amen. Um, we are engaging ourselves into systemic warfare, and we've just hit the um. Sources of the information. One second. Amen. So we have a lot of information to cover tonight. We're going to order this morning, rather. I usually say it at night, but we're on, we're on live. Amen. So God is good. Let's pray. Get your notebooks out. We're going to study the Word of God systematically. We're on part three of the SWIFT, which is systemic warfare and is supernatural solvent. Amen. And my goal is to make certain that we get to that supernatural solvent. All right? Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Father, Holy Spirit, and I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Father, and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We've entertained two major scriptures, actually three major scriptures in this one. Of course, First John chapter 4, um, highlighting that we overcome the world. And in Galatians chapter 1, we know that it is God's uh, ideal to deliver us from this present world. And, of course, we've been talking about the overcoming way. We've said in the overcoming way that it is God's, um, it is our pursuit to know God more intimately so that we can serve him 
more faithfully. And I think it's important that we awaken core values that establishes our convictions and the advantages as a result of establishing our lives on God's word as final authority. And this answers systematically the value of having a theology and practice based on us overcoming and advancing in every area of our lives. We talked about how the word overcome is used several times in the Bible, eight in the Old Testament, 22 times in the New Testament, 11 times in Revelation, and five times in 1 John. And so in this context, we've had a discipline of of involving a reflection of faith and belief in light of the Christian advantage. And it's important on establishing our convictions, commandments, and characters around those discovery reflections based on overcoming. And, of course, you know the Scripture says in 1 John 5, well, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We said there's three areas that you must master in order to overcome and experience the overcoming way, overcoming sin, overcoming the world, and overcoming by faith. And in order to do that, we have to learn how God operates. So this still doesn't neglect us um, developing a relationship with the nature of God, the nature of God, God's, God's reason for his existence. And so in the first two lessons, we established five major principles. We understood that we engaged um, uh, this by affirming our salvation. Why? Because the world seeks to control. It suggests an alternative to the life of God, a sensationalized logic and learning, without being subject to the Lordship of Christ, it sinks you to the course of disobedience and defilement. It satisfies you with temporal pleasures, passions, and pursuits, distorting long-term success. And the world um, silences the authority of the speaking spirit of God. So if the world um, locks you in your walk, your working, your witness, it, it, it defeats God's ability to give you direction, profession, and true confession. Because we're to hold fast to the confession of our faith without raising. We said that the resolve of it of it is to shift into sanctification, an overt display of our obedience to God by embodying like-minded virtues that empower godly convictions, conducts, and and character. And and we said that we are sanctified by the conversion of the Holy Spirit, conduct, conduct establishing righteousness, character built through faith, compassion for the world and then casting light on what is spiritual um, in our private life. And so those shifts take place when we develop um, scriptural con- competency, syncing with the Holy Spirit, the securing realized gifting, sticking to the standards um, that God has suggested and sanctifying God in our hearts. That sanctification awakens um, the reality that the world, again, is still separate and hostile toward God. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. And because of the power that people use contrary to God, it established corruption, conformity, and complacency amongst believers. And so we have to do uh, what it takes to stay delivered or set free from the bondages of the world. We already said that the world is not the earth in the connotation of this teaching. It is the system that is set and established outside and against the standards and the convictions of God. 
So in doing that, we said that we have to cleanse, we have to we have to cleanse, we have to be converted, and then we have to be comforted by the Holy Spirit because the comfort of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus sent to guide us and lead us into the truth that we needed to know to stay delivered. So the question that we've answered in this series is why is deliverance necessary for the will of God to overcome the world? And that's what we because it establishes a uh, uh, understanding of who we are, what we have, and what we can do. We said that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's who we are. We are Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if, you, if you're if you saved and you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So you need to be identified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but now the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We also need to be affirmed in what we have. We have the mind of Christ because the mind, the Scripture tells you in Romans 8, is enmity against God. But, But the Spirit is life and peace. We have the mind of Christ. And Paul said when he was going through the, the, the uh, a thorn in the flesh and the, the struggle with, with having to deal with things in the flesh versus the spirit, his resolve was, thank God, I have the mind of Christ. And Christ's mind is described in Philippians. And, of course, you know, I already gave the defined traits of the, of the mind of Christ um, on other teachings, so you're just going to have to get that in your own time. But for the sake, we we have the mind of Christ. That's what we have. And then what can we do? Philippians 4, 13, uh, 3.14 tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we talked about engaging, establishing an understanding of who we are, engaging that shift, which I read you about the scriptural um competency, singing with the Holy Spirit, searching realized giftings, and sticking to the standards, and sanctifying God in your heart. Then thirdly, we talk also in these last two teachings about embracing the school of power, embracing the school of power. I gave you several scriptures with that one, 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a word, but in power, Matthew 22.29, people they're not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. Luke 9, 1, Luke 10, 19, Ephesians 3, 20, God gave his disciples power over the devil. And if you continue in his words, then you are his disciples indeed. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have power over the devil. And you have to embrace that as in the school of power. Then we also gave you Ephesians 1.19 and Ephesians 6.12, which we're going to be in Ephesians 6 today in the conclusive text, where there is power over warfare. But if you don't know what warfare is, you will you will get mixed up. And I've dealt with a little bit longer in Colossians chapter 1.12 through 18 and Colossians chapter 2.10 through 20 last time as well. Um, lots of information, but God wants you to have revelation. He wants this information to be made known to you so that you can have assurance uh, that that you have power. So the only way we can do that is to enter into the Swiss by strength. That was number four, and that's where we picked up last week. And I talked about how the strength of, that was the strength of spiritual competency, the strength of a sound soul, and then um, and the strength, of super of a supernatural prayer life. 
Amen. I talked about becoming acquainted with prophetic text, building your perception around strong interpretation of the scripture, and booking your knowledge in the system. I talked about approaching boldly the throne of grace and adapting to the discipline of fasting and praying in the spirit because it is in the spirit that we we consist, all things consist. Now, created, uh, also we talked about having a strong mind. And that means you, and when we say having a strong soul, we're talking about you doing due diligence on affirming what you believe and why you believe what you believe. Amen. Because a lot of times in the world, we don't have that going on. Talk about creating a strong thought life, considering uh, what Christ has accomplished at Calvary, and catering um, to that mind of Christ to affirm what you really believe. And in doing that, we concluded last week on esteeming Jesus as the Lord. And I, I gave you not big, big terminology in the, in the theological world, and that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> thank you, Lord Jesus. <coughs> Amen. I gave you that the enemy loved to destroy Jesus in the eyes of people. And that when 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 things arise, you have to know exactly what you believe and why you believe. And I kept emphasizing how how the enemy does that by just making Jesus something that he's not. You know, and um and I gave some words, some theological terms, and you really gotta get the last lesson because it'll take time to go over those concepts again. But what happens is, if I can dis- if I can deter the authority that Jesus had, don't don't make him humanity, don't make him deity, don't make him this, don't make him that, then you won't have confidence to go in his authority, or confidence in his in the Holy Spirit whom he sent to comfort you, because ultimately the uh, the authority of the Holy Spirit of uh, 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 um in your life um, hinges on two factors, your ability to connect to the word of God and your ability to connect to the commands of Christ, to the, com- the word of God context and the commands of Christ character. You got to know that Jesus can do what he can do. And a lot of people, they try to intellectualize. And what I mean by that is they try to make him, uh, Jesus, such a principle that they, they forget that he's a person with power that is still living and existing today, today. And just because we can't see him, hear him, touch him, taste him, doesn't mean he doesn't exist. We don't use our senses to believe his existence. We use our faith, which is the actions based on our behavior, convictions, and beliefs align with his authority. Because we know that without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So a lot of people, they have confidence with that because they're not diligently seeking the Lord. And if he's distorted in your eyes, you will not have confidence to rely on his power, which I want to conclude with in this subject today, which brings us to the core of our teaching. And I'm going to try to get this as much in as possible today. And that is, I have here five things, of course, and of course, ultimately, the first thing is that spiritual warfare is a reality. 
that's one thing, spiritual warfare. But we need to have signs that we're we are we are not ready to engage in it. And I want to talk about that because I think that sometimes we jump into things because we hear different terminologies. We engage, and you can have spiritual hyperness. Did you hear what I said, spiritual hyperness, where you just start hearing the term and you jump on something? Make certain that all you're getting, get an understanding. And an understanding is you're able to stand under those principles, and those pr- principles are intact because you know them. And a lot of people don't, and they try to engage in the spiritual warfare or what we are calling systemic warfare, which is based on a system. And if you don't understand the system of how God acts and how the devil acts and how the word uh, counteracts those actions, you're going to mess up in your life. You're going to mess up and engage in the things that you're not prepared to handle. And I don't want the devil kicking your butt. Or you defeating your your uh, objectives in life by not having a clear understanding on spiritual warfare. So hopefully in this lesson, I can give some practical term, um, definitions to these terms that we use for spiritual warfare because we got hocus pocus going on. We got the witch uh, the Salem witch hunt going on. We got witchcraft going on, calling it spiritual, and you know people are doing all kinds of stuff. To claim that they are aligning spiritually in the mind, and so hopefully you'll you'll be able to um, to take hold of the word of God today and apply this practically to your lives. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter six and let's read verses ten. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This is a power thing. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take um, take unto you the whole arm of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. Hopefully, we will stand in this particular day once we go through these things. Amen? So now. Number one, spiritual and systemic warfare are real. That's number one. Number two is this. Spiritual warfare, spiritual and systemic warfare are something we, in this teaching, um, are emphasizing. Uh, They're the same thing. We are teaching and emphasizing the importance of not being ignorant of the multiple devices of the devil of the multiple devices of the devil. Now, the devices that we do know of the devil based on Ephesians 6 are found in verse 12. Principalities, powers, rulers uh, of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and the evil day. So let's define what they are. Number one is principalities. And, of course, you know principalities have realities ruled by princes. Why are realities ruled by princes distorted? Because uh, uh, principalities are a mockery of the kingdom. A prince is not governed to rule. A prince is is always under the submission of a king. So the rulership is in question because they don't have absolute power. So principalities are false dictatorships uh, to oppress people. It's anti-kingdom, ruled by a prince. 
prince of the power of the air. That's what they call death, the Satan, the prince of the power of the air. He is a prince. He is not the king. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God, our Father, is our God and King. That's what we, we see in the scripture. So principality oppresses people through false dictatorships because they are ruled by princes, and they are anti-kingdom. You cannot build a kingdom from a prince because the prince is not prepared to rule. Amen. Number two, powers. Powers are forces of strength that distort what divine powers are, which is magic and witchcraft, soothsaying, all of those things that are anti-God. So when we say powers here, he's talking about forces and strength that oppose and distort what divine power is. That's why I want you to understand this, because the people of God are being duped today. They think things, they think influence is power. Just because a person's influential doesn't mean they are powerful. It doesn't mean they're qualified to lead. You could be influential and send someone straight to hell. Two people decide to jump off a bridge because one person suggested that their life wasn't worth anything. The person that suggested that their life wasn't worth anything jumped off the bridge with the other person that really didn't have a clue of who they really were. The person with the, with the, that created the suggestion had influence, but he didn't have power or authorities, but he misled another person and both of them fell in the ship or fell in the, or jumped off the bridge and died. Why? Because it was distorted, distorted on what real power is. All right, that's just a little analogy. Just because you have power don't mean you have, just because you have influence don't mean you have power. But power are forces of strength to distort what divine power is all about. Magic, soothsaying, um, witchcraft, all are part of those powers. Rulers of darkness. Now, rulers of darkness in this world, that does not mean unclean spirits. If it meant unclean spirits, they would say in the scripture, unclean spirits. But the fact that it's in this world, in order for anything to be governed in this world, it has to have a body. So rulers of darkness in this world are people. They are people who exercise leadership through demonic means. Like fraternities, sororities, like um, the you know, like the Masons, like you know the you know all those demonic witchcraft, uh, Greek mythology, all of those uh, exercises, all of those things are rulers of darkness. That's why we tell you, church people, don't you make swear by any other allegiance. The scripture tells you that. Now you get mad at me because I because you know I I tell you don't join Delta, don't join AKA. <clears throat> don't join any of them. I don't care if you get upset. The word of God tells you if they weren't if they weren't discovered and founded off of God, they were discovered by people who exercise leadership through demonic means. That's why they seek to control. They seek to control. They tell you what to wear. They tell you who to engage with. They tell you who to network. They even tell you where to work. They tell you to keep secrets. Why is that? Because they are rulers of darkness. Their thing is done in secrecy, and anything that is not exposed by light and manifested in the light is dark. So you think about that when you join up in organizations and claim you as a Christian. It's demonic. You've got to take, you got to renounce those things in your life. They're not for you. 
they're not there because they're established in darkness and secrecy. And God doesn't have secrets and, and do things in darkness. All right? Then number four, spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness is spirituality governed by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual wickedness. Spiritual reality is not governed by the Holy Spirit. Spirituality not governed by the Holy Spirit. And you got people that are so secret friendly that they're secretly lost. Spiritual wickedness is spiritual spirituality governed not by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has been commanded by the Lord Jesus to lead and guide us. So when we lead and guide ourselves spiritually in the other areas with no direction, it is spiritual wickedness. But this last one, number five, is the evil day. The evil day. I got the hurting, so just make sure you take notes as quick as possible. The evil day. And that's a time period where God's righteousness is not supreme. Because he said he wants you to stand in the evil day. All right? Now, number two. Spiritual, so spiritual and systemic warfare are the same, are same, are real. That's number one. Number two is spiritual and systemic warfare are the same thing, where in the teaching emphasize the importance of not being ignorant of the devil's devices. Number three is spiritual warfare is only accomplished when the revelation of God's armor is revealed. So in the revelation of God's armor, there are six elements. Truth, salvation, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, sword of the spirit. Let me say it again. Truth, salvation, righteousness, gospel of peace, and the sword of the spirit. Don't get caught up on the imagery. Get the revelations. It don't matter that it's a sword. It doesn't matter that it's a shield. Ultimately, truth, salvation, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, are the means by which God protects himself, and if God protects himself with it, you should protect yourself with truth, salvation, peace, faith, and the word of God. All right? So truth establishes God's motive. That's the way God does everything by way of truth. Right? He says that even even your worship is done in spirit and in truth. So truth is God's motive. It is the revelation of God's motive. Salvation is eternal security, the force behind deliverance. Deliverance means to be set free. What are we being set free? We're being set free from sin. We're being set free from the world, and we're being set free for the sake of faith. All right? Righteousness is God's means to reveal his motive. So righteousness is the act of rights, the acts of or the actions that are establishing our rights our right in who we are, what we have, and what we can do. I'm connecting knowledge to what we've been teaching for the last few weeks. The gospel of peace are the results of exercising God's actions and plans in righteousness. Righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Ghost, they're all, that's the kingdom of God. Right, so this is the enacting, this is the enacting of God's plan through God's results. So these are God's results. The gospel of peace is the good news of God's results through exercising his actions and plans. Then faith is God's involvement in and through his people by his spirit. Amen. Excuse me. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> then number um, six is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, God's communication. That's how God conveys himself to us. Amen. I got a few minutes and we're going to roll. We got a little more to go cover. Spirit number uh, five, uh, number four is spiritual warfare is a shift from prayer to supplication in the spirit. Now, I've done a teaching called the Supernatural Masterminds, and I talk about exactly what supplication is. Um, and I go through in that teaching um, in detail what supplication is, okay? And, of course, um, I told you it's a revelation of prayer. And, of course, in the armor of God, if you ever look at it, it, it incorporates prayer at the end as if it's continuing the armor. Now, let's go down to, uh, we're still in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all preservation and supplication for all the saints, for all saints. For, and for me, that the utterance may be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly and make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. <clears throat> now, at this particular juncture, we are, we are stating prayer and supplication. So I want to give you uh, some distinctions on the differences so that when you know them. Prayer is communication with God. That's what it is. Prayer is communication with God devoted um, in time and, and reality. All right? Now, supplication is exercising our authority based on pulling on our reserves. So it's pulling what we reserve through prayer. And the pulling that we're, what we're pulling on is the power of God to perform or the grace of God. All right? Prayer is based on the heart of a devoted, of his devoted. <clears throat> Devotion, um, supplication is an authoritative move. It's an authoritative move. And then prayer and supplication is like faith and patience. They must be done together in order to engage into spiritual warfare. So if you're not a disciplined prayer warrior, you are not in warfare. You hear what I said? You're not in warfare. If you're not a praying person, you're not in warfare. And prayerlessness is sin. When you're not a prayerful person, you're in sin. You're supposed to be praying, especially if you say. So accept God's challenge to be a prayer person. And Let me leave you with these things in the last few minutes that I have. Super, spiritual warfare, there's some things that should never be happening should never be sensationalized, verbalized, or internalized. It should be solely executed on the prompting of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so I want to leave you with these things, and then in the next series I'm going to pick up some more, which I'll introduce next week. But it should never be sensationalized, verbalized, or internalized. It should be executed on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 
I want that to sink in your heart today. Because we got a lot of hocus pocus again going on, and we're calling this spiritual warfare. And you talk to some of these Christians that are spiritually zealous, and instead of finding out what these things mean, they have a form of godliness. But they don't have power. And I always think about the story of the sons of Sceva when they went to go exercise demons out of people. I tell you, you got to be careful how you treat people and how you deal with folks, how you deal with spiritual things, too. And they went out there and tried to cast out demons in the name of Paul, and they didn't have authority in the name of Jesus to cast out demons. And then demons came back and kicked their butts and threw them over there by the pigs. Because they were more influ- they were more- they were trying to exercise authority without understanding. And spiritual warfare is an authoritative move that involves prayer and supplication. And some of you don't even know what supplication is. It's not prayer. It's the exercising of authority and pulling on your reserves. And you can only pull on your reserves when you have something that you've accomplished in prayer. And that's why you really have to develop a prayer life. And the devil wants to keep you out of praying. I tell preachers all the time, this is why things are going on in your church that are crazy. You don't pray. If you're not praying, you're not led by the Holy Spirit. You're not disciplined. And prayerlessness is sin. All right? So it should never be sensationalized, verbalized, internalized, but it's only by the prompt of the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can engage the Holy Spirit in your life is through prayer. Because the Scripture says that when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit bears our infirmity so it can pray the will of God. Why? Because prayer is is the way we engage the relationship with the Holy Spirit. We communicate to God. We ask God. We cover the earnest gifts of the Spirit. Why do we do that? Because we are engaged with the Holy Spirit when we devote ourselves to communicating to God in prayer. God's Spirit speaks the will of God. The will of God is locked in the Word of God, and the Word of God must be rightly divided. It must be interpreted. And the only way he can interpret it is to speak by his Spirit. And that's why I can say things that's plain and systematic to people, and they still don't get it. Because the natural man cannot obtain the things of God because they are spiritually deserved. And so when we talk about systemic warfare, SWIFT, and all these devices uh, and that these things that the, the world uses and the, and the, and the, and, uh, to keep us locked in their system, you will never overcome them without praying and supplication. So never engage in the warfare without a comprehension on what warfare is all about. That's number one. Number two, never entertain the idea that spiritual warfare involves the uh, the the sense of personality of the personalities of people, because he said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
Because somebody gives you an attitude or treats you bad, don't mean you're in warfare. Now, God can use, uh, now the enemy can use people to all warfare as rulers of darkness, but if you're in church and you're having a conflict with somebody in church, that's a problem. It's not the devils. It's the saints that are not exercising maturity. Well, praise the Lord. Thirdly, never enter into warfare without prayer and fasting. And these are just basics because we because we are in a day now where right is wrong and wrong is right. And people talk about how many warfare they ain't pray, they ain't read the scripture, they don't even know the scripture. What you in warfare with? No, you just got mental problems. And some of you need to go to a counselor, sit down on that couch, and tell them what's going on. The devil is kicking your butt because of ignorance. My people are not destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, but because they reject knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Not because of a lack of spirit, they're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And because they reject knowledge, God even rejects their children. So never enter into warfare without prayer. Listen, these, these are so simple. Never engage in warfare without a comprehension of, of what warfare is all about. Never entertain the idea that spiritual warfare involves personalities of people. Never enter into warfare without prayer and fasting. Number four, never establish a group to assist you in warfare. Because you got people that are, these are my prayer partners, and some of these prayer partners are sending you straight to hell by getting you involved in these demonic witchcraft seances. Y'all going around praying and stuff talking about things that are going on with other people and you're making it demonic and you are cursing other people. And, and because you're not mature and they're not mature, you're in agreement with the devil. And it's all based on ignorance. Oh, yeah, I'm coming at the church folk that are having these prayer partners and seances in private. I come against that spirit in the name of Jesus, and I rebuke it. We need to do things according to the word of God. Where do you see that in Scripture? Where you get together and you come against personalities and conflicts that you're supposed to be spiritually mature to handle. Where is the ministry of reconciliation? You're not addressing things as spiritual. You're like them people in, in Corinthians where Paul said, I can't even address you as spiritual because there's divisions among you. And, instead of, and, and we're making things, things that we should be dealing with out of maturity spiritual. Oh, praise the Lord. It's the truth anyhow. So we never establish groups to assist us in warfare. Why? Because they're not needed. The only thing you need is prayer and supplication in the Spirit, which is by the Holy Spirit, led in God by the Holy Spirit. And you and God are the majority. You perform for an audience of one. If God be for you, who can be against you? You don't need anybody to assist you in overcoming the wiles of the devil. You have power over the devil. I come against that stifleness in the character of your being. If you are one with the Lord Jesus, you have power over the enemy. You don't need um, exercising the demons coming out of a believer. You are one with God. And I charge you to line yourself up back with the integrity of God's heart and know who you are and know what you have and know what you can do. 
We're playing church, and instead of playing church, we need to be the church. Be it all the way, or don't be it at all. And never equip spiritual warfare in the flesh, because it's not a fleshly thing. We've got to engage it differently. Amen? Holy Spirit, I thank you for enlightening your people to know the truth that makes them free through the integrity of your word. Help us to overcome the world by your Holy Spirit that enables us to live the Christian life. And for that, we praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' precious name. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do, because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. I thank you for listening to the broadcast. We finished up the Swift series. Make sure you get the last two lessons because uh, <clears throat> this has been a build-up. Amen. And so we have that available. Download them. Let people know that you're listening to the broadcast. We thank you for listening today. We know that God's power and God's authority is changing the times and seasons that we're in. And we trust that whatever you're going to do, you're going to prosper. Amen. Keep your heads up in the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your power. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. God is doing God is doing things, and those of you that are connected to this ministry and that are studying the Word with me, your lives will be transformed as you reapproach God's throne and receive the grace for living according to His Word. Thank you for listening to Sunday mornings in the Word. We're going to continue next week on a new set of teachings in line with overcoming the world. We still have some more understanding that we need to attain. God bless you, and have a wonderful Lord today. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.